rape, enslave, torture, murder, abuse. Should we use those words when describing what animals endure in the systems and industries that exploit them? Is it effective because that's what we do to them and using those words will help people understand and empathize with what animals really go through? Or is it ineffective because people can unnecessarily get offended or even worse, hurt? In this episode, we tackle this difficult question and we discuss how we can think about it so that you can go about making an informed decision as to what language you choose to use when you speak up for animals. Yo, 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 Ryuji here. What is up? I hope you are well. And welcome back to the Animal Advocate Podcast, the podcast where we discuss the social aspect of navigating a world. <laughs> Great start. The social aspects of navigating the world as a vegan and an animal rights activist. Today's topic has been brought to us by a listener, which I always love hearing from you, whether it be in DMs, emails, uh, you know, podcast is a weird one because there's no comment section, there's no like button. So if you don't let me know how you feel about this podcast, I have no idea. And I effectively feel like I'm, I'm shooting in the dark. <laughs> if you like this podcast, let me know. Let me know what you like about it, what you don't like about it, what I can change, what I can do better, what you want me to talk about. Uh, this question has been brought to us by a listener. So if you have a question, send it in. The best place is at my email peacebyvegan at gmail.com. Hit me up. All right. So this question is from Pilar from Argentina. Hello, Ryuji. I wanted to take a minute to say thank you for all your amazing work. I started following you not too long ago, and I'm enjoying your content very much. I'm from Argentina, but was living in Australia, so I faced a long 50 plus hours journey to come back home to see through these uncertain times we're living in the world. I used that time to listen to your podcast and wanted to let you know how much I related to so many things you talked about. I especially found the one about helping animals from home very thought-provoking in the best way possible. One topic that I'd like to hear your opinion on in a future episode is the language used while discussing animal rights with non-yet vegans, such as non-human animals versus animals or rape versus artificial insemination. For example, I know you talked about it a little in today's live stream, but I'd love to know what you think from an advocating perspective and have it on a podcast episode that I can listen back for future reference. Sorry for the long message, but I wanted to let you know that I'm loving the podcast. Thank you again. Thank you so much. I am so glad you're loving the podcast. No need to apologize for the long message. So in this message, Pilar brought up two examples of words that you might be wondering about. I think there are others. Oh, and by the way, before I get into that, I do want to say that Pilar, and I hope I'm pronouncing your your name correctly, has uh, translated two of my YouTube videos into Spanish. Uh, the one about my story and the one about circular vegan debates. So thank you very much for that. Uh, super awesome. Now available with Spanish subtitles. And if you want to uh, translate my videos, you can let me know and uh, we can make it happen. But anyways, she brought up two different words, non-human animals uh, versus animals and rape versus artificial insemination. I think there are other words that you might be wondering about. Words like enslave, torture, murder, abuse, any kind of language that might lead to effectively shaming someone for engaging in a behavior that exploits animals. What I'm going to cover here is I'm going to cover 
not only what I think the answer to this question is, and the short answer is I think it depends, but I want to explain to you how I arrived at this conclusion and how I think about it. My goal is to give you a framework so that next time you have a phrase, a word, or an expression or an analogy that you want to use, you can use this framework to think to yourself, is this a good idea? All right, I don't just want to give you an apple. I want to teach you how to grow an apple tree. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. First, I want to cover the, the overarching framework. The overarching way that I think about everything, uh, and this is really how I think about life, but it's also how I think about advocacy, is I ask myself, what is the most effective thing to do with regards to what my goal is? In this case, the goal would be to advocate for animals. You're most likely having a conversation about animal rights with someone, about the ethics of veganism, perhaps, however the, the conversation is phrased. I do think that preferably it will be centered around animals and not veganism. Um, as maybe you've picked up, that that's kind of how I go about my conversations. Maybe you've picked that up from my previous episodes. But anyways, um, if you're talking about animal rights, well, you want to ask yourself, what is the most effective thing to do in order to advocate for animals? And so the way that I think about this, when I think about specific words or phrases that I'm thinking about using, is I basically ask myself three distinct questions about the phrase or word that I'm wondering about. And those questions are first, is what I'm gonna say true? Does it correspond to reality? Is it truthful? Second, is what I'm gonna say ethical? And third, is what I'm gonna say effective? Those things spell out T-E-E, -E, true, ethical, effective. <laughs> and I was trying to come up with uh, some sort of acronym or something so it would make it easier to remember that but uh the, the best thing that i could come up with is think about the word tree <laughs> like a, like an apple tree and you take away the r so it's t-e-e -E. <laughs> so you can remember it like that <laughs> so what do i mean by that <laughs> let's try to apply that to one of the words so let, let's apply to rape uh, and let's think about it in terms of let's say you want to say that dairy cows get raped on dairy farms well, how would you think about that? First of all, you want to ask yourself, is it true that dairy cows get raped on dairy farms? Well, in order to determine that, the, the, the question here, the, the real question here is, does what happens to cows on dairy farms correspond to the definition of the word rape? Now, there are a few problems here that might arise from a social perspective when you talk to people about this. Uh, because the word rape has different definitions to different people. I actually looked up different definitions in different dictionaries and they said different things. And uh, some some of them had these elements that seemed kind of uh, irrelevant to, to whether or not someone was raped. So for example, uh, on the Merriam-Webster dictionary or whatever that thing is called, uh, one word that they put in the definition was unlawful. It was uh, rape had to be some sort of unlawful sexual activity. Now, I don't know if the definition technically says that it always has to be unlawful, but obviously you and I know that rape is not always unlawful. It's always immoral, but there are times when it happens and it's considered lawful for whatever reason, right? So even in that context, there's the dictionary definition, then there might be a legal definition. Different people that you talk to might think about it differently. And some people say, oh, you know, like it, yeah, like, uh, does it, does it include pen an act of penetration? Right? These are all things that people don't agree with. Now, 
the way that I see it, I think a good way to define rape is any sexual activity that's conducted without the consent of the person towards which it's directed. Okay, I didn't choose my words very well there, but I think you understand. The key, the key here is consent, whether or not it was done with consent or not, right? And in that regard, if you take a non-speciesist approach or way of looking at this issue, then are dairy cows raped on dairy farms? They absolutely are. They absolutely are. Now, some people will disagree with that because in their definition of rape, and this is probably the most important point for this particular example, some people just think that, well, non-human animals can be raped because rape is something that just happens to humans. And they think that by saying that a dairy cow was raped, it diminishes the, the gravity of when humans are raped, which is an extremely speciesist way of thinking. But regardless, that's how people think. So... First, in this first question, we can see that there are already some problems that are going to arise where, well, does it fall under the definition of what rape is? It depends on who you're going to ask, which ultimately what matters is, of course, it matters whether or not what you say is objectively true, but it also matters whether it's true in people's subjective worlds. When you're talking to someone and what you're saying is true, if it's not true in their universe, it, it doesn't really matter. It, it matters, but from a social perspective, it doesn't really matter because they can just dismiss it in their world and say, it's not true, and they can dismiss everything you say very easily. So it has to be objectively true, but there has to be a mutual understanding to which the other person also perceives what you're saying as true. Okay, but let's move on to the second question. Is it ethical to say that? What does it mean for something to be ethical? In my mind, the way that I think about it and the way that I define it within this framework is that something is ethical or something is not ethical rather if it hurts someone, if there's a victim involved. That's why we say that animal agriculture and all the different forms of exploiting animals are unethical because there are victims involved. The animals are victims. That's why we say that bullying is wrong because when you bully someone, there's a victim who suffers. So it's not ethical. In this case, when you say things, words are a delicate thing because can words hurt people? They absolutely can. Words hurt people all the time. And I'm sure you've been hurt by words before. I've been hurt by words before, whether it be from friends, family members, romantic partners. Being hurt by words is something that's pretty commonplace. But there are words that carry very strong meaning or that can carry very strong meaning to people and those are the words that people often wonder about so the ones that i brought up at the beginning of this episode rape torture enslave murder abuse those are words that can have very strong meaning in people's minds and they can bring up things and, and they can hurt people for sure when you use them in contexts that offend them or that hurt them right so in this case when you say that a dairy cow is raped on a dairy farm are some people going to be hurt by that? Yeah, some people are going to be hurt by that. Some people are not going to be hurt by it, but some people are also going to be hurt by it. So is it ethical? Well, it's debatable and it probably it probably depends. Well, the other side of this also that I do want to point out because some of you are probably thinking this is that if we agree that dairy cows are being raped on dairy farms, then not saying that for the sake of having humans be comfortable is a disservice to the cows that are going through that. 
it's diminishing what they're going through for the sake of human comforts, which is that something that we want to do? Hmm, I don't know. That's also a question that can be debated. Is it ethical or not to do that? So it's not clear whether or not this is ethical. I think that there's room for discussion. And I'm going to come back to all of this. And the reason why I'm, I'm answering these questions this way is going to be clear in a second. But let's move on to the third question. Is it effective? Now, this is widely going to depend on how the person you talk to receives what you're saying. For some people, and I can tell you from experience that sometimes it is effective and sometimes it's not. My friend Hudson, Hudson Tarlow, who you might know, very good friend of mine, we were at an outreach event together and he was talking to these young teenagers. I think they were probably in high school, maybe 17, 18 years old, young teenagers these kids. <laughs> and uh, he was talking about the ethics of what we do to animals and whether or not it's ethical and wrong and right or like whatever. And at the end of the conversation, it seemed like they weren't having it. It seemed like they weren't the receptive type. Like uh, they were basically like, yeah, but you know, whatever, <laughs> or whatever they were saying. And to end the conversation, Hudson basically told them, there's no two ways about it. You are either an animal abuser or you're not. And they walked away. Now, you might hear that and think to yourself, that's a very harsh thing to say. And I don't know if that's something I want to do, go around calling people animal abusers. But what happened is that he said that and then they walked away. But about an hour later, they actually came back to the event. They went up to Hudson and told him, hey, we thought about what you said. We think you're right. So we're going to go vegan. And if I remember correctly, I believe that they even sent him a picture of their first vegan meal after that at a restaurant. So that was a very cool moment for Hudson and it was awesome to see that. So it depends. Is it effective? I don't know. It depends. And the reason behind that is because the people that you talk to, you can't control who they are. They're different people with different life stories and they're all individuals. So they're going to react differently to whatever you say. And of course, there's a whole host of other things that come into play, like how much rapport you have with them. If you're closer to them, then you're more likely to be able to express yourself more clearly in a more authentic way and say whatever you want and have them actually understand and listen to what you're saying as opposed to the surface level of the words that you're putting out there, if that makes sense. So already we can see that determining whether or not it's a good idea to use a word like rape is going to be difficult to determine because is it true? Well, it depends. Is it ethical? It depends. Is it effective? It depends. We can't really know. And to me, when I communicate with people, I don't want to leave these things up to chance. I want to eliminate as much as possible the possibility of having a disagreement about anything but the most important thing. If we are going to disagree about something, it's going to be about whether or not it's ethical what we do to animals and what the solution is. That is what we're going to disagree on. We're not going to disagree on whether or not dairy cows get raped on dairy farms because they just don't like that I use the word rape to describe what happens to, to dairy cows on dairy farms. I think that's an unnecessary argument that derails the conversation from what's really important, which is what we do to animals and the ethics of that. Is it more, Can we morally justify what we do to animals? And second of all, the responsibility of the person you're talking to to do something about the situation. In my mind, that's what is always the most important thing. So any potential disagreement about anything else, I want to avoid that at all costs. I'm not running away from controversy. 
I'm just simply making sure that the controversy we're talking about is the right controversy. And I think what happens so, and I've had this so many times, is you just get caught up in discussions about things that ultimately don't matter. Like you get caught up in a conversation about whether or not plants feel pain. Like what? That's such a ridiculous topic to get caught up in, especially the people who bring that up. They don't even believe that. They don't even care. They wouldn't do anything differently if they figure, oh, you know, like, you know, plants, plants really do feel pain. Okay, now what? Their life hasn't changed one bit. It, it just, it literally doesn't matter. It's such a stupid thing to talk about, in my opinion. So, I, and it happens sometimes, okay? it, and it's going to happen. But my point is, I want to craft my conversations and communicate with people in a way where, uh, like, I just avoid those things at all costs because they're a waste of time. They're an utter waste of time. So, what is my solution then? towards this. Well, I'm going to ask myself, how can I control as much as I can whether or not something I'm going to say is true, ethical, and effective? Now, in the grand scheme of things, the big overarching method or strategy is you want to think about what's effective. That's always the right answer to ask, in my opinion. What is your goal? What is the most effective way to get there? Always the right way to go about it. But I think that the way that's I determine, like for me, the way that I determine what is going to be most effective in this case is I ask myself, T, is it true, <laughs> effective, uh, sorry, true, ethical, and effective? And by the way, they're in that order because they only make sense in that order. If something is not true, then you don't have to ask yourself whether it's ethical or effective, just don't say it. And if it's true but unethical, then just don't say it. It just, it doesn't matter if it's effective. Well, maybe it might actually, you, you could make an argument for that. But personally, I, I, I don't know, I guess I, I don't want to do things that are, that are unethical. I think they're ethical, as long as they're ethical alternatives, right? I don't want to be a hypocrite and say that the ends, the end determines the means, the means, is that, you know what I'm saying, the Machiavellian thing. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to say that because that's what, that's how people uh, justify exploiting animals. Well, the end feels good, so it's okay that we kill them. I like how a steak tastes, so it's okay that we kill them. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. So I don't think we should be doing that either. At least I don't want to be doing that. So that's why they, they're in uh, that order. Well, how do I get around that? To me, the way that I go about it is I want to describe what happens to animals on farms. Okay, when I say like, I, you know, I stay away from using words like rape because I don't. And, and to be clear, just to illustrate the point that it depends, there are plenty of people who use those words in their advocacy. There are plenty of people who make videos or they give speeches and they use those words in their presentations. And there are some people for whom it's very effective, but then there are other people for whom it's not effective. I think for me, the biggest thing that I observe is that there's a discussion on whether or not they should be using those words to talk about that. And I just think that's stupid. I'm like, we shouldn't be talking about this. That's why I personally want to avoid that. But you know, whether or not it's going to be effective, again, it, it really, it really, really depends. That being said, I think it's interesting to ask ourselves, why do they use those words? And I think that people use those words because they want to accurately represent what happens to animals on farms and in slaughterhouses. And I completely agree with that sentiment. I do think that we should accurately represent what happens to animals, because if you and I don't do that, then who's going to do that? Who, who's going to clearly tell people what, hap what really happens to animals, because I think that what animals endure is so far beyond our imagination that even trying to represent it with words is extremely difficult, and I don't know if we can do that. I don't actually, I'm pretty sure we can't 
we can't really do that. So that being the case, I do think it's important for us to as accurately as possible represent what happens to animals. And I think that's why people want to use words like rape, torture, enslave, etc., etc., because they're very strong words that have very strong meaning to them. And so people think that, well, if I use those words, it's going to accurately depict what animals go through. Now, I'm going to try to pick from the best of both worlds. I want to accurately describe what happens to animals, but at the same time, I want to avoid the controversy of people picking on my language as much as possible. You can't fully do that because people are going to be discontent with what you do no matter what you do and people are going to hate on you no matter what you do they're going to criticize you no matter what you do especially when you're talking about a controversial topic or it shouldn't be controversial but apparently it is we shouldn't kill animals apparently that's extremely controversial okay whatever but at least i want the controversy to be about that's not about the words that i use so the way that i personally go about it is instead of using words that could be interpreted differently by different people I'm just going to flat out describe what happens to animals. So instead of saying dairy cows get raped on dairy farms, I'm simply going to say on dairy farms, cows need to, to be pregnant in order to produce milk. That's why they produce milk. Like all mammals, they need to have a baby. So what farmers do is they'll do what they call artificial insemination in the industry. And what that looks like is that they will masturbate a bull, collect sperm, and then they'll take that, they'll restrain a cow, then a farmer will take one of their arms and take their fist, put it up the anus of the cow, knee deep, and then hold down her cervix and take sperm and insert it into her vagina. That is how cows are quote-unquote artificially inseminated. That's the term that they use in the industry. So you see how when I just described that, I essentially said what people are trying to say when they say that animals get raped. But instead of using that word that could set people off very quickly, I just described it. And here's the beauty with this. What I said cannot really be disputed. Like, that's just true. There are no words that are left up to interpretation. I just described what happens. It's kind of like having a red apple and you just say, this is a red apple. How are you going to argue against that? Okay, it's a red apple. If you say this apple is delicious, you can argue about that. Some people can be like, no, the, the, the apple is not delicious. But if you say, this is a red apple, there's no there's no room for discussion. So that's why I choose to express myself this way. Now, are people still going to push back and not be happy, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, of course. But at least you're expressing yourself in a way that's clear, in a way that's truthful, and you can't really debate whether or not that's true or not. Now, is it ethical what you're saying? Well, of course, some people are not going to like what you're saying. But at the same time, you're just painting an accurate picture of what is happening. I don't think you can make the argument for which saying that is unethical. And in this case, I do think that accurately saying what happens to animals far outweighs however people might feel about that. Because at that point, you're not using words or phrases or anything that that could be interpreted as deliberately hurtful. That's just the only way to say it. How else are you supposed to describe what is happening on a dairy farm. That is just what happens. And if you make the personal decision that you will not back down and actually go through and say what happens to animals, then that is the only way that you can do that. Now, is it effective? Well, that's also going to depend. 
<laughs> you know, sometimes people are going to be receptive to that. Sometimes people are just going to tune it out. I think it, it largely has to do with the level of rapport and trust you have with the other person, which I've talked about in some of my other podcast episodes, how much you've listened to them, how much you've communicated that you're on the same team as them, et cetera, et cetera. But if you are in a good relationship with the other person, you have rapport with them, you're on the same team as them, you can describe, and I've done this many times, you can describe what happens to animals and they will listen and take it in. And I think that's describing things the way that they actually are, as opposed to using words that can be left up to interpretation is much more accurate. I want to say, I was going to say effective, but that's not quite it. I prefer doing that because then people will know exactly what happens. If you simply say that animals get raped, people are not going to be able to picture what that looks like. It's like, what does that even mean? It's so abstract. You can't, you, that doesn't paint a picture. I think it's much more effective to paint a picture in people's minds of what it's like for animals in there. And painting that picture doesn't require using words that can be misinterpreted or that can be unnecessarily inflammatory in a conversation. Now, that being the case, this is not a hard and fast rule. It's just overall, I think that most of the time you think about controversial language is because that language can be left up to interpretation and it it's it's not just seeing it like it is it is just you know putting a connotation behind what is actually happening but i think that there's always a way to just flat out describe what is happening and that's always what i will go for now that being the case there are a few situations in which i do think it might be effective to use words like rape, torture, murder, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, I'm also going to touch upon the non-human animals thing later in the podcast, but I just want to wrap this up real quick, this point. There are two scenarios in which I will personally use a word like rape. Okay, let's just keep it to one example. The first scenario is the much more common scenario, and it actually happens when I describe what animals endure on farms and slaughterhouses. What people might do when I say that as people come back to me and they say themselves, they themselves say, oh, so animals actually just get raped on those farms. And in that case, I'll say yes. And I know that from that point forward, I can myself use that word to describe what happens to animals. So that is the first scenario in which I will use those words is essentially they go first. I do this for a couple of reasons, because if they say it, you know it's safe for you to say as well. But also, as I pointed out at the end of the previous podcast, it's effective to use the same words that the other person uses, both externally and internally. If they use certain words, I'm going to use the same words back to them to describe what I'm trying to say, because I know that if they use those words, those words resonate with them. They work with them because they use them themselves. So for that reason, if they use whatever word, I'm okay with using it in conversation moving forward. Uh, no questions asked. Now, the second way that I will bring up those words is for the express purpose of pointing out the extent of speciesism in our society. So what I mean by that, for example, is I will describe what we do to dairy cows on dairy farms, and then I might state or ask a question that sounds something like, you know, it's funny because, well, not funny, it's interesting because imagine we did what we do to dairy cows to women. What would we call that? Our society, we would call that rape and there would be no question about it. It would be immoral. It would be illegal. People would be outraged. There would be no way to justify that. 
But somehow, because the victim is a cow, she doesn't consent any more than any human victim of rape. She gives no consent. And she is forcefully penetrated and impregnated, no less. And then her baby is even taken away. That's such a horrible thing to do to someone. But because she's not a human, because she is a cow, some people will get offended if I go around saying that dairy cows are being raped. A lot of people don't like that. And I think that that perfectly illustrates speciesism in our society. So that's how I'll bring it up for the express purpose of essentially bringing out the issue. And here, what I'm doing is really what you'll find a lot of times in life is that if there's something, if there's a problem, if you point out the problem, the problem loses its power, right? Essentially, what you're doing here is you're, you're putting out, you're putting out the word, the word rape, but you're doing it in a way where you're acknowledging the potential problems with it. So you're discussing it. And just by doing that, it loses its power. The, the problems, they lose their power because it becomes a, a discussion point that's not from the point of view of, or not from the perspective of someone getting offended or just triggered, but you're much more likely to, if you talk about it, talk about it from a perspective where it's an actual thoughtful thing. It's, it's a thing to think about. So that's basically how I go about it for most of the controversial language, quote unquote, controversial language that people use in order to advocate for animals. For me, I just think to myself, is it true, ethical, effective? There's just too much left to chance. To me, I would rather describe what actually happens with very simple words that leave no room for interpretation. And if I do bring up words that may be inflammatory, either the other person goes first, or I use that for the express purpose of bringing out and talking about speciesism and how deeply that's ingrained within our society. Now, what about other words like non-human animals that Pilar asked about? Well, same thing. We can actually ask ourselves the same questions. Is it true? Non-human animals? Yes, it's true. That's actually not, you know, humans are animals. We like to think that we're not, but we are. Is it ethical? Yeah, I I don't think that a lot of people will be offended. Well, actually, some people might be offended, like, oh, look, you're saying that we're just like animals by saying non-human animals. Yes, I am, okay, <laughs> but that's fine. Okay, so is it ethical? Yeah, it's ethical. And is it effective? Well, that might depend. That That last one, it always depends, okay? Because at the end of the day, you can't, there's no way to have something, to, to say something that you know is 100% gonna work in any situation in life. So in this case, this is how I think about it. And this is always how I bring up a lot of things, by the way. Because, see, the issue with saying something like non-human animals is that, on one hand, it's very accurate. It's very, very accurate, and it very well portrays speciesism. And I think it can be a very good idea to... And again, this is why it depends, because sometimes you talk to someone, and all of a sudden you say, non-human animals, and it sparks a thought in them. They're like, yeah, you know, that's a good point, actually, that we are animals, but some somehow there's a distinction between us and other animals. So that's a thought that it might bring up. But another thought that could be ignited in someone's mind is, oh, okay, I see. Like, they're, they're just, they're, they're extreme vegan. They want to put animals on the same level as humans. Ho, ho, ho. And they just shut off and <laughs> they just stop listening to you. That might happen to you. That's why it depends, all right? But at the same time, I do think it's a very good point to bring up. So what I do is I do a similar thing to what I did earlier. What I described earlier is I will explain why I'm bringing it up. 
So I will say, isn't it interesting that even though humans are undeniably animals, we create an artificial distinction between us and other animals where we're humans and they're animals. Really, the more accurate way to say that would be that we are human animals and there are non-human animals. But some people find that really weird when in fact it's, it's really accurate. Effectively, what you're doing here is that you are bringing up the thought-provoking point, but you're mitigating the risk of that being inflammatory or that being controversial or misinterpreted in any way. So you're basically taking the good part of using the expression non-human animal and you're eliminating the risk as much as you can. And if you look at what I said earlier with the dairy cow and described what happens to her on a dairy farm, it's essentially the same thing. I want to say what I wanna say, I wanna make the points very clear, but I want to eliminate risk. The way that I think about it is I always prioritize clarity. I want people to be clear on what we are talking about. And when I talk to someone, and this applies not just to activism, by the way, but just always, when I talk to someone, I want them to understand what I'm saying. I want to understand what they're saying, and I want them to understand what I am saying. I want to keep my points concise. I don't want to say too many things because we can't remember too many things. If I talk to someone, I want them to walk away and being like, this is the these are the one or two points that Ryuji told me that I remember from the conversation because you just can't remember that much. So for, for this, for example, the last thing I want is someone walking away and thinking to themselves, well, the crazy vegan was talking about how we rape animals. Ha ha ha, how, how, how crazy is that? I don't want that, that's useless. I want them to think, wow, that's really horrible what we do to animals. That guy was right. They are not objects, they are sentient beings. I should maybe do something about this. That's more what I want them to think, something along those lines. I want it to be very, 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 very clear what they get out of the conversation with me. And that's why I don't want to move, I don't want to get into all these tangents and talk about all these different things that are pretty much irrelevant. I talked about that on my previous podcast, I believe. But basically it's like, you know, I really picture when I'm talking to someone about animal rights, this road, what are the main points that I want to hit? And any distraction, I, I want to get away from that as quickly as possible. And I will repeat things over and over and over again. Like, for example, one very common thing that will happen is I will ask someone, how can we, how can we justify that from the animal's point of view? And I may ask that, I, I, I might ask that, excuse me, multiple times in a conversation over and over and over and over and over again so that a question sticks in someone's mind. Have you ever had it where you're trying to learn something new? And maybe you watch videos on it online. This has happened to me so many times. For example, I play the piano, so I'm trying to learn concepts of harmony and I'm trying to learn jazz piano. Well, I might watch a lot of tutorials, read articles, and what I'm doing essentially is I'm learning the same concepts over and over and over again. But the first time I read about something or the first time I, I watch a video on something, it's not going to land. I'm not going to remember that. But to me, it's only when I've heard that concept explained 10 times, 20 times that I'm like, oh, I remember that. Okay, I get it now. At least that's how I work. I don't know if that's just me, but I found that repeating things over and over again, it's not a bad thing. Sometimes you think to yourself, you got to make different points when it's actually the opposite. When I advocate for animals, I don't think to myself, I want to make many arguments. I want to make one argument and make it over and over and over again because I want it to be clear in the other person's mind what my argument is. I think that if we say too many things, then it's too confusing. You talk about the ethics, the environment, the health, the slaughterhouse workers, this, 
that like there's just so many things that at the end of the day well and this might work and it's not a bad thing to bring those things up but the way that i personally bring them up is i'll bring that up at the end the most important thing that i personally focus on is the animal's perspective this is an injustice from their point of view because i look at animal rights as a social justice movement that speaks up for the animals for the victims it's not that speaking about those other things are wrong that's not it at all and in fact i encourage talking about those other things it's just that you have to be clear what you're talking about if your goal is to speak up for animals then focus on that and there's nothing wrong with focusing on that if you want to bring up everything else the way that i do it is i'll bring it up at the end when this argument has made sense it's kind of clicked in the other person's mind and then i'll say by the way these are also some interesting facts it has been found that animal agriculture is a leading cause of ocean dead zones rainforest deforestation species extinction blah blah, blah blah and all that and also i encourage you to do your research on this but a whole food plant-based diet has been found to prevent and even in some cases reverse some of the most prevalent prevalent prevalence <laughs> chronic diseases in our society so you can say that kind of as a as a cherry on the top but i don't want to mix it in with the main argument is what i'm saying or at least that's my approach the way that i think about it always is i think about it from the other person's point of view so i think to myself how would it feel to be in their perspective what do i want what do i want their experience of this conversation to be i want them to walk away with a clear idea of why animal rights are important and what they can do about it right i want them to walk away with the thought of our society treats animals like machines when really they're sentient beings something along those lines something that affects their beliefs about who animals are and about whether or not it's moral what we do to them given what they've just discovered that's what i want them to walk away with and so i'm very very clear on that and i try to gear everything in my conversation towards essentially talking about that and all the other distractions I eliminate that or uh, you know i will address that for example if they bring something up and it's irrelevant i tend to agree with people a lot be like that's a good point and then i just get back to the conversation so anyways i hope this was clear again to reiterate if you ever ask yourself is it a good idea to say this or that just ask yourself is it true is it ethical is it effective tree or t <laughs> excuse me t tree without the r a great way to remember that you'll never forget it if it seems controversial there's probably a way to say exactly the same thing that you want to say but without being controversial by just describing what you're trying to say with very very simple words that cannot be misinterpreted and they're just undeniably true now you can bring up quote-unquote controversial words in order to make a point about speciesism or if the other person goes first and i think that's a great way to go about it and essentially what you're doing is by explaining why you're bringing up a word or why a word might be controversial you're one taking away the power from that word because you're making it into a discussion point instead of something that could be inflammatory and on top of that you're making a great point about speciesism all right, and that was it for this episode of the Animal Advocate Podcast. I hope you found this useful. I hope it helped you. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would love your feedback. You can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. That would be super, super helpful. And I'm pretty sure there's a way that you can subscribe or follow podcasts. You get notified when there are new episodes. I'm not sure. 
I think you can do that. <laughs> so maybe do that. On top of that, this podcast is brought to you by you. All my work is listener supported. If you want to support the podcast and other work that I do, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash peace by vegan. On there, I post behind the scenes content for all the major uploads that I do on YouTube, especially if you enjoy this co- this podcast. I think you'll enjoy the content over there because it goes through my thought process and how I apply all those ideas to the videos that I make and the content that I create. Anyways, again, thank you so much for your time. You are awesome. I love you. And until next time, let's keep defending animals.